Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, the U.S. and China holding competing drills in a hotly contested region, the South China Sea. What are the rising threats there? Deterring malign influence from China. Missouri is limiting the farmland foreign adversaries can buy. Why the state is implementing the new rule. U.S. tax cuts for buying electric vehicles getting harder and harder to come by. Washington just slashed a list of eligible rides from 17 to just 8. Find out why. And stray artillery shells hit a residential community, injuring five in southwestern China. Beijing fuming at Myanmar over the incident. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Washington is ramping up its show of force as tensions spike in Asia. China on Wednesday saying it's holding drills in the South China Sea. Beijing also released photos of its third aircraft carrier the same day. That's as the U.S. and the Philippines perform maritime exercises in the region. Worth noting, it's their second drill in less than two months. Over 20% of global trade passes through the South China Sea. Both China and the Philippines claim parts of the region, though China claims almost all of it. An international tribunal ruled China's claim invalid in 2016. Despite that, Beijing has ramped up aggression there. Chinese Coast Guard vessels were caught ramming into Philippine ships and spraying water cannons at Filipino boats. China's actions have Pacific countries on high alert. American forces have been performing war drills with allies in the Pacific, totaling as many as 37 last year. The vice commander of the Navy's 7th Fleet said it's all about deterring aggression. Zooming out, the U.S. has also been keeping an eye on the tensions escalating on the Korean Peninsula. Washington and South Korea wrapped up a major joint drill Thursday. It lasted a week and was done near the North Korean border. Threats from the communist country is growing. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un threatened to annihilate the U.S. and South Korea if it's provoked. Just two weeks ago, Pyongyang launched a ballistic missile. Japan said the weapon was capable of striking anywhere in the U.S. The North also tested weapons designed to hit targets in the South and the Pacific. The U.S. has sent more military assets to the region, including a nuclear missile submarine, aircraft carriers and large bombers. Missouri is limiting the farmland that China and other foreign adversaries can buy. This comes shortly after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suggested he'd implement similar rules nationwide if he were to become president. Entities Arian Postar has more. Missouri's Republican Governor Mike Parson signed an executive order on Tuesday limiting the farmland foreign adversaries can buy. We are banning all purchases of Missouri agriculture land within 10 miles of critical military facilities by adversary nations, including China. The order also affects Russia, Cuba, Iran, North Korea and Venezuela. But the governor added that the main focus of the order is on China. He says this aims to safeguard the military, prevent security threats to the state and give Missourians a greater peace of mind. The governor also suggested he would extend the rule to include all land in the state if he could, but that his executive power is limited. 
The rule does not impact existing landowners or attempts to purchase land by friendly nations. We're talking about Sweden. We're talking about Italy. You're talking about Germany. You're talking about the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan. Arkansas and Florida have previously enacted similar measures to deter malign influence from China. Just last week, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis talked about how he would handle farmland in the U.S. if elected president. Food security is national security. I don't want China buying farmland here. I view that as a national security asset that we have so that our country can remain free and independent. In 2023, DeSantis limited China's ability to buy farmland as well as land near military sites and critical infrastructure in the state. Ariane Pastar, NTD News. Robots with limbs and brains. The Chinese Communist Party is scaling up its plans to craft humanoid robots. They'll be used to help the country's manufacturing sector amid an aging population. But what are the global implications? And is the U.S. prepared for communist robots with AI-powered brains? We speak to Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent for the Epic Times, for insight. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Tiffany. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you just recently did a deep dive titled, "The U- Is the U.S. Ready for China's Mass-Produced Humanoid Robots? Now, this is sounding quite sci-fi-y. Tell us about it. So essentially, uh, the regime in this new policy paper, right, in this guidance document trying to outline uh, the next few years of how it's going to seize development of these robots, uh, it envisions using these robots to replace humans for certain high stress, uh, you know, high demand and dangerous jobs. You know, these could be things like working in factories, working in mines, perhaps working in space, things like this. Uh, and related to that, the regime is trying to invest in new education programs uh, to essentially try to encourage education among its own people uh, into high-tech jobs. So jobs in robotics, for instance, jobs in artificial intelligence, in quantum computing. Uh, So it's essentially trying to take the people that it does have, a shrinking population, and reskill them into really high-tech jobs that will sort of be very of strategic advantage in the coming years, and then replace the manual labor as much as possible with machines and particularly humanoid robots. Now, zooming out, how does this impact the U.S., especially in terms of, say, national security? Uh, So these robots, particularly any robots made with artificial intelligence, right, have to be designed with communist ideology in mind. And so as China builds these robots and then sends them out into the world, tries to export them to places like the United States, uh, we're going to have to be aware of how they could be used uh, subversively to essentially promote uh, Chinese interests. Now, what about the technology that is enabling this? Where did China get its hands on that? Oh, yeah. So, of course, most of China's advanced technology that's used up to this point has been United States-based. Um, whether or not it receives it directly from the United States or from other parties who bought it from the United States, um, you know, just varies, of course. Uh, but ultimately, the type, like the types of semiconductors they use, you know, even the manufacturing capabilities they use, were largely designed, at least, in the United States. What does the U.S. need to do? Yeah, so I think the real fear here is the risk of exponential technological growth based on uh, who essentially develops the best technologies now, right? So China is going to, over the course of successive generations of technology, 
develop an immense lead against the United States, right? So it's it's not just do they get better robots now? It's what advantage in the next iteration will these robots give China? And then in that iteration, what advantages in different technologies will they be able to build off of that the United States won't have access to? Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Special $7,500 EV tax credits just got harder to come by. The list of vehicles that qualify for them cut down to just eight from a previous 17. Venia rules takes aim at electric vehicles made with materials from China. As the West looks to cut supply chain reliance on the country, models like the Nissan Leaf and Volkswagen ID.4 were culled from the list, while the Chevy Bolt, Ford's F-150 Lightning and three different Teslas remain eligible. Washington said last month it would end the tax credits for vehicles with Chinese battery parts starting 2024. Cars made with Chinese nickel, lithium or other key minerals are next on the chopping block starting 2025. As the list shrinks one by one, it may still grow on the other end. A number of automakers are expected to submit more models for tax credit consideration in the future. A central question in Taiwan's upcoming elections, how should the island manage relations with China? One presidential candidate is suggesting a new approach, be patient. During a campaign interview, Ko Wenjie of the Third Force Taiwan People's Party likened the relationship between the two sides to a tumor. 30 years ago, when I was a surgeon, okay, mm. we found the tumor. We would try to remove it, but at this moment, no. We just try to live with it. <laughs> Ko notes the current economic challenges within China and says Beijing doesn't want war with Taiwan, but he adds there's still a risk. He explains that's because China is a dictatorship, making the possibility of war unpredictable. Recent polls place Ko in third, while the current vice president, William Lai, continues to lead. Lai is part of the ruling Democratic Progressive Party, which strongly supports Taiwan's de facto independence. According to a Reuters report on Wednesday, pressure from the Chinese military is expected to persist, regardless of who sits in the president's office. Beijing raised what it called solemn complaints with Myanmar on Thursday. This after stray artillery shells from Myanmar injured five people in a Chinese town. This CCTV footage captured the incident on Wednesday. The town in southwest China borders Myanmar's Shan state. Armed conflict between Myanmar's military and rebel groups has escalated there since late October. China has repeatedly called for ceasefire talks. In 2015, shelling from a volatile area also landed across the border in China, injuring one. China is facing a major demographic crisis as dramatically fewer women want to have kids. From 2012 to 2022, China's number of newborns saw a nearly 6 million drop. The downhill trend hasn't hit its end yet and is actually getting worse. A Wall Street Journal article posted earlier this week shares a warning. China's birth rate is in freefall. The article suggests the causes behind the low birth rate are tied to political and social pressure. And Chinese women have seemingly had enough, as the communist regime demands and even harasses them to have more kids. 
On top of the financial pressure of raising children, would-be parents also face another problem. A growing crime rate targeting children in China. In recent years, cases of abducted children have surged. Some of the gruesome reports detail how the children's remains are recovered with organs missing, suggesting black market forced organ harvesting. Data from the country's National Bureau of Statistics shows China's birth rate started dropping ever since the ruling body, the Chinese Communist Party, took power. The number of babies being born now is lower than during the post-World War II era, even though that time marked China's worst economic depression in the 60s. The head of the Chinese Communist regime is eager to solve its aging population issue, calling on the National Women's Federation to, quote, solve risks in the women's field. Chinese women have yet to respond positively. India has already surpassed China and become the most populous country in the world as of last April. Projections suggest China's population could drop around half a billion by the year 2100. Next, we'd like to take a moment to share some of your thoughts on our last show. Commenting on our report about Chinese automaker BYD outselling Tesla, with one expert attributing BYD's success to factors like low cost, low prices and backing from the Chinese Communist Party. But some keen-eyed viewers pointed out more details. First, investor Warren Buffett has sold over $25 million worth of shares in BYD in October. In the first quarter of 2022, 640 electric vehicles reportedly caught fire in China, averaging seven EVs catching fire per day. And since last year, Tesla vehicles have been barred around specific locations in China. Those factors appear to be behind BYD's status as the new best-selling EV brand. Now, don't forget to tell us what you think of today's show. Thanks for watching. Coming up, Japan's prime minister calling for more rescue efforts in the wake of a major earthquake. While a Chinese TV anchor's speech puts him in the spotlight. An eye surgery allegedly ending in death. That scandal turning out to be just the tip of the iceberg inside China's largest eye health hospital group. And a growing trend of cyber kidnapping unfolding in China and the U.S. The latest victim, a Chinese exchange student. What's behind the plot? More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Over on the west coast of Japan, the death toll from Monday's earthquake has already ticked up to more than 80. Soon after the quake hit, a Chinese TV broadcast anchor took to social media to say Japan deserves the disaster. The anchor's name is Xiao Chen Hao. Xiao works at a local TV station in China's southern province of Hainan. Xiao's speech sparked different responses, with some condemning him and many backing his stance. The TV station gave an official statement the next day, calling Xiao's speech inappropriate. The network suspended him and announced an investigation into the matter. Back to Xiao's post, what's behind his negative view of Japan? 
Many believe it's tied to Japan's decision to release treated nuclear wastewater. It has become a major dispute between China and Japan in the recent months. Chinese state media have condemned Japan for the practice, citing health security concerns. Japan says the expelled water has passed international safety regulations. China's leading eye health hospital group is back in the spotlight. Only two days into the new year, tragedy struck one family in the country. A mother died while getting eye surgery, with only an ambiguous explanation from the surgeon after her death. In a separate incident of medical violence, the surgeon was caught beating an 82-year-old female patient during surgery. But these incidents appear not to have impacted the group's fast-growing business. Let's take a closer look. The most recent incident took place on Tuesday in the city of Baishan. A 74-year-old female patient died during an eye surgery procedure. The woman's son, Liu, says the hospital gave his mother an overdose of anesthetic, even though at the time her heart rate was far below the normal level. Worth noting, the surgeon who performed the operation is the vice president of the eye hospital. The incident was soon recognized as a severe medical incident, though the local medical bureau only penalized the hospital with a seven-day suspension. The agency refused to comment on the matter. The hospital is one of the 600 branches of China's largest eye hospital chain, IR Eye Hospital Group. Ai Feng, the executive at Wuhan Central Hospital, has been actively posting about the group for three years after she experienced a medical accident that almost caused blindness in her right eye. A side note on eye, she was one of the first whistleblowers to raise alarm bells about the CCP virus, which causes COVID-19. She's faced suppression from local authorities ever since. Her story is one of several issues tied to the IR Medical Group. Just a warning, some viewers may find the following footage disturbing. Shared to popular Chinese social media platform Weibo, videos, screenshots, and accounts of incidents tied to the hospital group are piling up. This clip comes from a branch hospital under the IR group, located in the city of Guigang. The surveillance video caught a surgeon beating a patient during an eye surgery procedure. The incident took place four years ago. I released the clip two weeks ago online. The surgeon involved was the CEO and president of that branch hospital. He was suspended after the incident. More than 70 medical incidents have been tied to the medical giant within six years, alongside accusations of corruption and other scandals. Despite the bad press, the business is still growing rapidly. IR claims to be the first medical agency to put forward an IPO in China. Its publicly listed stocks are worth over $20 billion. That financial success has come alongside accusations of live organ harvesting and other crimes. The World Organization to Investigate the Persecution of Falun Gong has put its two branch hospitals on the suspected organ harvesting list. While according to an investigation, one of those hospitals said it only takes roughly a week to a month for the facility to, quote, obtain fresh corneas. A boy found alone in the woods of Utah. 
His family in China scammed out of $80,000. What's behind the harrowing story of Kai Zhuang, the latest victim in a trend of cyber kidnapping? Here's more on this sophisticated plot taking place across China and the U.S. Found cold, scared, but alive. Riverdale police in Utah seen here rescuing 17-year-old Kai Zhuang. Missing for three days, the Chinese exchange student had trekked to this backcountry area, sleeping in this tent, running low on food. With him, several cell phones. That's how police say virtual captors manipulated and controlled the teen, likely from thousands of miles away. They call it cyber kidnapping. The cyber kidnappers convince the victim under duress to take photos of themselves that make it appear they are being held captive and send the photos to their parents. In China, Zhuang's parents, equally terrified, unable to reach their son, reportedly receiving threatening messages and contacting his school in Utah. The reason why they have him seclude himself in the woods or away from somebody, everybody in society, is so they can continue to extort as much money as possible. In recent months, police across China warning Chinese students in and out of China that the scammers often impersonate officials. They then intimidate the international students with threats of immediate arrest, deportation, and harsh sentencing if they do not cooperate. Police advising students if they get a call like that, hang up immediately and contact the Chinese embassy or consulate, your teachers and classmates at your school, or the local police. In November, Shanghai police reported a couple getting a threatening call while on a highway. They could hear their son's cries over the phone, the scammers demanding the equivalent of $70,000. While on the phone, the couple spotted a police officer at a toll booth who suspected it was a scam and stopped the mother just as she was about to transfer the money. There have been similar cases targeting folks across the U.S. in recent years. If I didn't do what he said, he would kill my mom. It looked exactly like my sister was calling. It was a man's voice on the other end screaming at me. If somebody told me that wasn't my wife, I'd say you're lying. It's so hard for me to describe to you how real this all sounded. You're in that crisis mode and you immediately want to try to fix it, which in most cases means money. Police say Zhuang's family did just that, ultimately transferring the equivalent of roughly $80,000 into Chinese bank accounts. When they found him, officers say Zhuang asked for two things, to talk to his family in China to be sure they're okay and to eat a warm cheeseburger. Zhuang had apparently been convinced by the cyber kidnappers to isolate himself. That's to create the appearance that he was being held hostage. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.